established companies who are making money saying, we really want to use your work, but we don't want to pay you for it, but you're going to get exposure for it. You know what? Fuck exposure is what I've learned because guess what? I've done a lot of deals like that. I've done free work for people and they're like, oh, you're going to get this great exposure, this, that. And And I was like, what exposure did I get? You got some free work. You didn't really shout me out that much. And then it was, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in working for free for exposure because I feel like if you're a big corporation, you can pay me and don't give me exposure because I I have the rights to those designs. I'll just post it on my portfolio to say I did it. And boom, that's my exposure to say, oh, well, you did that such and such logo. Perfect. I don't like... I, I've gotten burned so many times that way. I just don't do it. Like, and if I do free work, it's not it's not for anybody who has a lot of money. On this episode of After the Battle Campfire, I speak with Kennedy Page. Kennedy was a U.S. Army soldier who deployed to both Iraq and Afghanistan. We also talk about what he's doing now. He works as a graphic designer, a web designer, and an SEO expert, search engine optimization. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of After the Battle Campfire. All right, you guys hear it all the time. The typical, if you like this episode, please rate us, subscribe to us, leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify or wherever. Well, it really does make a difference for this podcast. We're small, we're trying to get bigger, and all of this feeds the algorithm so that iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, wherever you find us at, will rate us higher and higher with the more likes and comments that you guys leave. And always, if you guys find value in these episodes, please leave us a comment on the episode or on the show uh, page. And the best way to help us is to share it off. So again, thank you. And we will talk to you soon. All right. I am back with my friend. I met at one of the have missions that we've been doing for Jose, the coffee guy. This is Kennedy page. Kennedy is a former army guy kennedy say (laughs) hi what's up guys (laughs) so you live here in texas right Mm -hmm. how long have you uh been in texas all my life uh except for that stint i was in the military i lied now i lived in california too after the military uh but i'm gonna say all my life Cause I grew up here. I went to school in Texas. I graduated in Texas. So did and you? Then I joined the military, and then I but I moved back to Texas. Did you know that the uh, military was going to be a life for you? You know, no. I actually happened upon the military. So, literally, I graduated eighteen. Right after graduation, I went straight into summer school. So literally, I had. I think four days off, and then I went right back into summer school for college. Uh, And everything just felt so easy. So then a recruiter on my campus talked to me. They were like, how about this? And I was like, you know what? This sounds like some shit I could do. (laughs) I was like, this might give me a little challenge. So, because I was looking for, you know, a little more challenge in life, so I was like, this has to be a challenge as the military. So I was like, let's do it. And that's how I got into it. I just talked to a recruiter and I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's try it. So growing up, were you, um, 
active? Were you a sports guy? What were you like growing up? Oh my gosh. I think I stayed in the sport sports since the age of seven. So like ever since seven, I had been playing a sport up until I graduated high school. So basketball, track, powerlifting. What else did I do? Basketball, track, powerlifting. Baseball, but I kind of sucked at that, so I quit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But but basketball mainly. So being being Texas born and raised, you didn't do the uh, whole football thing? Oh no, that's crazy. I I I couldn't imagine just being getting hit for fun. That there's nothing fun about getting hit. And I was like, ah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, what part of Texas did you grow up in? Uh, There's a little town called Waller. Where, like, what part of Texas is that? So we'll say Houston. Oh, okay, okay. And you're kind of in that area now, too, right? And yeah, I'm in Houston now. Later, yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, you and Joe talk uh, somewhat regularly. Palacios has yeah. been on the show before. So what uh, what was your job in the Army? Uh, human resources. Loved it. Like, absolutely loved human resources. It's so, like people tried to get on your good side because you did, like, leave and the paperwork. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. So talk me through going to, uh, like, how was your recruiting process other than you were like, okay, this is cool. I want to check it out. Did you, how'd that happen with your parents, with your family? I'm making the guess you came in after 9-11. Yes. Uh, I think I joined in 05. Yeah, 05. So initially, you know what? Before I wanted to challenge, initially I tried to join the Navy, but... I couldn't pass their um, medical part. So it shows you the Army takes anybody. So the Army gave me a waiver. But at the time, I think I was 17. So my parents actually had to sign off on something to allow me to do the process. So I talked to them. They were just like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to do this. And they signed off on it. So um, after that, I that's how I... I paused and I went to college and then I I talked to a recruiter again and then I was like, okay, army it is. So what was the, uh, what was the big offer that they uh, gave you money or anything like that? Any bonuses? There wasn't there at the time I I got in there were no bonuses or anything, not even for a combat medic because that's what I initially went in for. Uh, No bonuses, no incentives, nothing. There was nothing. So, do you remember 9-11? I remember uh, a little bit. I was in high school at the time, and I remember being in class, and I think an announcement came over the loudspeaker saying something about 9-11. But I know I was concerned at the time because at the time, my cousin lived in New York, and I was just like, oh my gosh, how's Kristen? Like, you know, what's going on with her? Have we talked to her? Like, um, but that's, that's all I, I remember vaguely. So, uh, 9-11 probably didn't have much influence on, on your thought process going in or anything like that. No, 
No. I, I really wanted to join because I thought it would be a challenge in life. I was looking for some challenges, and I was like, okay, there's no better challenge in the military. <laughs> so... It turns out I loved it. That's what I was going to ask you. So now you, um, you sign, and I know the Army is kind of weird. Like, they have different boot camps for different MOSs. Like, the infantry guys go one place. Uh, other than infantry may go to another place. So where did they end up sending you? I went to uh, um, Missouri. Like, it was co-ed. So we had uh, men and women there at my base, uh, basic training. Mis- mis- misery is what they call it because that's what the hell it is <laughs> but that's where i ended up doing it so what was uh what was day one like for you oh my gosh that shit was crazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were, you got everybody just yelling at you telling you what to do don't you got to pick up your bag don't roll your bag <laughs> i think i was busy more so like listening to what they say but laughing at other people because you know, some other people you're like, oh, they're not, they're not ready, <laughs> they're not ready for this at all. <laughs> but I was just like, guys, just listen. And I found basic to be easy because I figured out if you just listen, they're not gonna mess with you. And so that's all I would do. I would listen. I follow the rules. Yes, drill sergeant. No drill sergeant. <laughs> what do you, what do you want? So- <laughs> I forgot to ask, but what was the time like between when you signed the paperwork and you left? Oh, okay. So, so I finished, I did summer school and then I did a semester. So I ended in December. Like, I think I talked to them right before, a little before Christmas. Oh, okay. And I went in in February. Okay. So you had, you had a little bit of time to rethink your grand choice of life, yeah. of life choices. Yeah. I did. So, um, you get to boot camp. you're going through all the yelling and stuff. And I always have to ask everyone this, um, at some point during every military boot camp, there becomes a day when they take you into a room and they pop some gas and people lose their shit. <laughs> My shit, my, I don't remember the gas. I remember when I went to the gas chamber in general, like I had a horrible experience because my mask didn't work. And so like, man, I was choking. I was holding my breath. (laughs) Get me out of (laughs) here. It was terrible. That sounds about right for most of the people who have gone through the gas chamber, uh, whether your yeah. seal was broke or whether they took your mask off for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of boot camp, did your parents come up and watch you graduate? Oh, yeah. My mom came up there. Totally cool. She got, got all the pictures of me doing a little march on the field and everything like that. It was cool. Did you have a big family background in the military? Like uncles, aunts, anyone? Uh, grandparents? No, like I, I think after I was in the military, I found out that one of my uncles, like my favorite uncle was in the military as well. Uh, he was in the army. Uh, but that literally is the only person, no one else. Oh, wow. I want, hold on. I want to say, hold on. 
I think my grandpa was, but we it was never talked about. I think my grandpa was because I remember seeing a private something on some some paperwork that he was a, a private. So I think he was at least in for a little bit, but I didn't know any of that until after joining. Oh, that's crazy. So you had mentioned that you were going to be a combat medic. So were they initially going to ship you down here to San Antonio to go to school? I actually went to San Antonio to go to school. And like, so they tricked me. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't called combat medic. I forget what the hell they called it. But it wasn't combat medic. It wasn't until I got into AIT and they were like, oh, combat medic. And I said, what? I said, what? I'm going to be doing what? I'm going to be dragging bodies off the field and shit. I said, oh. I said, I don't want to do this. <laughs> how, how did you mix up? Um, I, it's 68 Whiskey now. Because I know a lot of the guys on the Navy side that are at that schoolhouse. How? Okay, that was weird. Alexa just randomly piped in. (laughs) But how did you? um, How did you not know? Because the it was just like um, it wasn't. You know, the name isn't combat medic. It's like a medical field or something. I forgot it. I just thought I was going to be doing something medical, not like, oh, oh okay. I'm on the battlefield like that. So when I found that out, I was like, oh, shit, no. I was like, I was looking for a challenge, but listen here. That is too much. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm curious, how did your, because I think you guys at, at your schools, you guys call them drill instructors still. Mm-hmm. How did... <laughs> How did that go over? See, you couldn't get out of it. So the way, the only way to get out of AIT in the mili- in the army is you have to fail your test, and you have to fail your test twice. And I knew that. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I got in there far enough, and I was just like, ah, I missed just enough questions. And they were like, did you fail on purpose? And I was like, nope. <laughs> sure didn't. I was like, I didn't know the answers. <laughs> and then I got to read. <laughs> and then I got to change my MOS. Oh, God. See, I could I could see someone on the Navy side doing that, and they'd be put out to like a deck seaman, which means they're chipping paint on the side of an aircraft carrier while at sea for six months. I'm surprised they didn't send you to the infantry. Yeah, no, I got, they gave me another list of choices. And I was like, I saw human resources and I said, I'll do that. I picked and I did human resources because the training was only four weeks. I was like, okay, what's got the least amount of training? No, or was it eight weeks? It was four or eight weeks. Uh, I don't quite remember, but it was the shortest time to be in school. (laughs) And that's what I picked. It turns out I loved it. So like it was, it was a happy accident. So where um, where is Human Resources School, and how many frequent flyer miles did you rack up on the Army in the first six months of being in the Army? Human Resources is in uh, South Carolina. What, what post is that? What post is that? I don't know. It's weird that, like, if you really talk to me, it's like I've never really been in the <laughs> Army because I don't remember a lot. 
But I remember it was South Carolina. It was an easy AIT too. I don't remember what it was. I didn't I didn't have a lot of frequent fire miles. I stayed there the whole time. Oh, okay. I mean you you've I already didn't... gone to Missouri. Now you're going to San Antonio. Now you're going to South Carolina. Oh, and then after South Carolina I went to Korea. Oh damn. So you did rack up some frequent flyer miles. Yeah. I went to Korea. So what do they teach you as far as like uh the school? Just I know the military the, has some crazy ass systems. Just the the you actually don't learn those systems until you get into your duty station. Oh. Like they teach you about the paperwork aspect and things like that and leave and how to do everything, but I didn't learn until I got to my duty station. Like I was like, I don't know why I went to school because I don't know any of this shit. So, but I didn't learn a lot until I got to my first duty station. And that's where I learned like what human resources really is. So what, what was it like for you to go ahead and pack out your little barracks room, knowing you're going to Korea, going overseas all by yourself? I was scared. Cause like I'm 18, I had never like been away from home, let alone another fucking country at that point. I was like, cause I asked somebody, I said, where is this? They were like, oh, that's Korea. I said, huh? I said, how can I get out of that? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? I don't want to go to Korea, but I loved Korea. Like. All my lessons, all the things that I was I was scared to do when I actually got into them, loved, like loved Korea. And if I would have um, known better, or if I had been more mature at the time, I would have stayed in Korea longer. So for you guys, um, the Navy is a little weird, uh, especially for the corpsman side. Like when I got uh, cut over to the Marines. Mm-hmm we have to go find our personnel people They're They're like a Marine battalion does not have the equivalent of a Navy, what we'd call a personnel specialist, an HR person with them. Mm-hmm. That's way far away. But when you guys move as a unit, are you deployed to like a HR command or are you deployed or assigned to an infantry unit and you're doing HR for the infantry? Both. So, like with HR, I could be at um, a company level, which is like an orderly room clerk. Uh, then you have your S1. Then you have like your brigade S1. And then like what I finished on one of my militaries, I was in um, a HR, HRSC, which was just like a human resources something or another. But it was it facilitated over the the base oh, okay. of Fort Shafter at, at the time. So. Literally, I could I could be in anywhere. Uh, luckily, uh, I had never. I was an orderly room clerk once, and that's because they wanted me to deploy with the company. Uh, but other than that, I always worked at S ones. Okay, so when you got to Korea, did you go to what did you go to? I when I went to Korea, I went to S one. So, I went to the the battalion S one. How was was that an infantry battalion? Uh, what was, oh, I have no clue. At this point, I'd have to look at my ERB <laughs> to tell you. I just remember that I was on Camp Humphreys. Uh, I don't remember that unit at all. 
Yeah, I don't. Well, don't you know that could that be either. a good thing because obviously you didn't get into very much trouble as a no. as a new boot. So how I told you I was I was good. Like I listened. Like the I tell people all the time. I was like, shit, the military is easy. I said, just listen, listen and do what they say. I was like, if it's not illegal or immoral, do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so how was the culture for uh, Korea? Like when you finally got settled in and you, you know, your day to day is going and you get liberty, which for those who aren't military listening to this, it's when you're off of work and you get to go off base or even on base. How was a uh, how was Korea for you? You know what? Korea was nice. Like, so some of the people there were really nice. Like they would teach me how to say thank you. Hello. Like, Anyaseo. Like, I remember some of those things, like the basics. Hello, thank you. You're welcome. So, <laughs> um, so like, I had somebody teach me that. But in Korea, you have these things called katusis, which is the military, uh, the Korean military. So in Korea, you're obligated to do two years in the military. And so I had katusis who taught me some of the lingo. And well, so when I went out to amongst all the other Koreans, it was good. And people, for the most part, actually were pretty friendly and tried to work with you, didn't get mad that I just knew English. Uh, well, some of the stuff was in English, so it actually wasn't that much of a shock. I was just like, okay, cool. Uh, same, people, just different color, that's it. That's kind of crazy to think that, you know, people of different backgrounds can get along, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. It was it was pretty cool, very helpful. So, um, what was your time like? Just what did you guys do during the day, in the office? Well, in the office, I was an NCOER clerk, which uh, that's since we were in the Navy, that's evaluations. I don't know what you call your evaluations I guess we for call NCOs. Them, we we just call them evals. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I was in charge of doing. Um, evaluations, reading them, making sure they had, they were correct, how we kick them back. And the thing about it is at the time I was a private. So, you know, NCOER is for NCOs. So it was a, a lot of NCOs and first sergeants had to talk to me and I would tell them that, sorry, you have this wrong. This is what you have to correct. And if they didn't like my answer, I would go to my NCOIC and be like, well, here you go. You know, you see it's incorrect. <laughs> and I remember this one time, this first sergeant got so mad because I didn't stand at parade rest for him, but I was working. Like, I can't work for you and also stand at parade rest at the same time. And so I was just like, "You, which one? So he like, he told my NCIC and I told him, I was like, I said, I can't do both. I can't stand at parade rest and still do the work he wants. I said, that makes no sense. But I guess he wanted me to stand at parade rest so he could tell me at ease so then I could do work. That was crazy as shit. Welcome to the crazy military. And I was like, yeah, no. So when you were um, going through all this, do you think looking back now, um, being so junior and having to work with these senior NCOs, even though some of the stuff they probably told you was pretty stupid, that it helped you 
gain some confidence for later in your career? Yeah, because it's kind of like I knew what I was dealing with. You know, it's like I knew I was already dealing with NCOs. I knew their responsibilities because one, I was reading their responsibilities all damn day. <laughs> so it's just like I kind of had a head start on it. Here I am, private, and I'm I, I'm privy to all things NCOs do or are in charge of, and things like that. I'm talking to NCOs, so it was good. It did. It really did build my confidence. So as we'll get to in a bit, you're an entrepreneur, you're a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. Do you think learning, um, being in those situations as a young private helps you now uh, trying to get new clients? Yes, because it taught me how to talk to people. Like, which is weird because sometimes in groups, I'm a little timid. But in general, I know how to talk to people. Like, I can talk to anybody. Like... And I'm just like, cool. And that's what my wife tells me all the time. She's like, you can just talk to anybody. Anybody just talks to you. I was like, well, I like people, you know? So like it taught me how to just interact with people, which is very helpful from with a graphic design, from a graphic design standpoint. Yeah, I can completely understand that. So after you get done, how long did you end up spending in Korea? How many years? I just did one year. I did one year and then I... Oh, wow. I came to Fort Hood. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was only at Fort Hood for six months, and then I deployed for 18. Oh, damn. So you're... This, I mean, 15. So this is what, 2007-ish that you're at Fort Hood? Yeah. 2000, you know, uh, six, yeah, 2006, almost seven. So if I remember right, it sounds like uh, you and Nick Valentine may have been there around the same time. I don't know when he was in. Yeah, we, we just, his podcast just posted yesterday. I think he did his, either his last tour or his second to last tour right there. He said he's been in Fort Hood, that area, for about 15 years. Damn. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. So Literally, he, I was there six months, deployed, came back, went to brag. Well, <laughs> you know, Nick's crazy because he started his, uh, his nonprofit and decided that he liked Fort Hood so much he's just gonna live by a Fort Hood. So, you know. Oh no. No so, thank you. So where did you go with Fort Hood? Uh I went to Afghanistan and that's when remember when they were extending tours for the army? Oh yeah. Uh like we found out that we were being extended like right after Christmas. Was it, it was either right after Christmas or right before Christmas. They were like, oh, and by the way, you're staying those additional three months. I believe that's called Merry Fucking Christmas Gift. Hello. Yeah. And it was just like, you want to fuck with morale? Hello. Tell them we're going to stay three more. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got to Fort Hood from Korea. Mm -hmm. You're there for six months. At what point did they tell you... Um, Remember, you're in the army and you may have to go fight in a war. Uh, as soon as I got there. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like they were already ramping up to go and getting prepared. So, like, as soon as I got to that unit, which is a, I went, I was in a med log unit then, 583rd med log. I knew that we were deploying. Oh, okay, so you knew ahead of time then. Yeah. So, were you a, were you still a private, or had you picked up a specialist? At that point, I was a specialist. So were you telling your younger um, soldiers to stand at parade rest to talk to you? 
No, not as a specialist. <laughs> no, you know what? Time out. I was a PFC when I went to Fort Hood. Um, I didn't make specialist until right before we deployed. And then I ended up making sergeant while we were deployed. And that was interesting because, you know, I came in as a private. And then I outranked everybody as <laughs> as I stayed there. So that was different. That's pretty impressive that you made um, sergeant within 18 months of putting on. Uh, it was it was a little less than two years. So like right when that window was open, I was able to go to the board. And because I was deployed when I pinned on five. So if I was deployed, that was like. 2007 yeah around two years that's crazy i i i did really like i did really good and the only reason i slowed down is because the next duty station i went to at fort bragg uh the ncic didn't like me that that's what they all say and because i didn't want to go airborne which was like a big fucking deal there like because I didn't want to go airborne, they she didn't want to she didn't want to help me at all. It, like she was truly unhelpful. Like she would, my NCIC was mad because she came from a schoolhouse, and I was already very knowledgeable at that point in human resources. Uh, but she wasn't knowledgeable because she wasn't in the S one anymore. She mm. was like at a schoolhouse. Oh, okay. So she would take all my information and pretend like it was hers. Like she would take credit, anything I did good, she took credit for. Oh damn! Anything, it was it was crazy. I hated it. It was the worst fucking duty station. So let's back up real quick before we get to Fort Bragg, and okay, them trying to throw you out of airplanes. How was it when you found when you realized you're going to Afghanistan? I'm guessing at some point in time you get some leave and you got to go talk to your to your mom. Yeah, I just tell her. How'd she handle it? I just be like, my mom, you know, my mom cool. She is real cool. (laughs) She's real cool. cool. Uh, She was just like, okay, you know, be safe. Like, but during that deployment, she was great. She was sending my care packages and it was wonderful. She was a great supporter. (laughs) Like, (laughs) truly. Like, they were worried, of course. Yeah, because I'm in Afghanistan, but you know, they didn't bring their worries to me. So like, I didn't have any additional worries on top of, you know, going to Afghanistan myself. That's a good thing. So did, were you married at the time or not yet? No, I didn't get married until after I got out of the military. Oh, okay. So you, um, you deploy and you said you were with the Medlock unit. So were you guys out of like Bagram or Canada? Yeah, we're, we were on Bagram. So, how was that? I mean, I've seen, I've never been to Afghanistan. I've seen pictures. Obviously we just shut it down like in the last couple of weeks, that place looked like it was a small city. It, it was. Bagram was nice. <laughs> Let me tell <laughs> Bagram. Cause you know, that's like the main base that it had everything. You had pizza, coffee beans. It was in you. Uh, what was it called? You had bazaars. Like, it wasn't terrible, <laughs> but it wasn't bad at all. Really. I worked out a lot. I went to my room. That was it. 
So did they do any training for you guys? Like, did they get you on guns or any of that prior to deploying? Or was the expectation we're just going to work out of the office on base the whole time? You know what? No, like we didn't do. Because when I hear about people going to like JRTC, and, uh, not JRTC, uh, I think, no, is it JRTC? Louisiana? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I or think Polk. that's, yeah, Polk. Um, yeah, we didn't do any type of like additional training like that. So I was like, oh, okay. Like when people tell me about their deployments and they're like, oh, we're going here to train for it. I've never, and I've deployed only twice, but I've never done those additional trainings. Oh, that's crazy. So during the time that you were there, was there, uh, I know Bagram would get hit every so often. Did you guys take any, yeah. any craziness at all? Bagram, it, we did get hit uh, a few times. It was nothing like Kandahar. Oh my gosh, Kandahar got hit like every fucking night. Like, cause I remember I, I was at, I went to Kandahar and it was just like, we were always hearing the alarms and sirens go off. But Bagram wasn't that bad. Bagram was considered, you don't want to say safe because we're in a war zone, but it was not as hot as other places. Like, like as safe as you can be in a war zone. Yeah. As safe as you can be in a war zone. Cause we got hit every now and then, but it was nothing like, it was nothing like other people, places were getting hit. Do you remember your first time you guys took a, something that rattled you? No, no. I remember having to go to the bunker like once and I was like, what's going on? Like I had my full gear on and stuff and we were just sitting in there waiting for the clearance. But in those moments, I don't remember being scared. I was just like, you know, what is it we need to do? So we not hiding. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how long, so you were there until February, what, 2008, roughly? Almost, almost. Yeah. Yeah. 2008. Cause I deployed again in 2009. Yeah. So what was the coming home like for you? Great. Oh my gosh. So I, I surprised my sister, uh, <laughs> when I came home, like I, I was like, don't tell anybody. And I had a party. It was fun. Like I had a great welcome back. <laughs> it was really good. Family's very supportive. Family all got together. We just had a party. So now you spent the rest of that that not not that deployment, but that um that duty station at Fort Hood then? Uh yeah. I, I think I was there for an, a month and then I went to Bragg. So, and I went to brag because there was this woman. This is how I got to brag because there was this woman, a woman I was dating at the time, and she was on brag. Let me tell you, I always get stuck by following a damn woman. But she, I, she was a, she was a first sergeant. So I was like, I'll go wherever the fuck you are because you know you're in your career already. Okay, cool. Worst decision of my army career. Like truly. You, you think. The worst. So you take orders to brag. Uh, what were you expecting to, to go? Where were you expecting to go on brag? I was expecting to go to like an S1 or something like that, which was cool. I just was, I wasn't expected not to be liked. <laughs> Jesus. 
I did not expect that. And when I say that lady didn't like me, she didn't like me. Like, even when I, she didn't like me so much to the point I deployed a second t- my second time and I got my promotable status, but I got it with that company. And since I got it with that company, she took it away from me when I came back. She said, because they didn't have the authority to send me to the promotion board. Wait, you got all your widgets knocked out and she could do that? And I, I looked in the regulations, yes. I read every freaking regulation I possibly could. And yes, the thing about it is they did everything wrong. It was, it was shady because even she was in my hearing and she wasn't supposed to be. So like, it was, it was crazy. I was like, y'all are really just fucking me over on purpose on top of that, all because I'm not airborne. Is that really what, I, what you think it came down to? Had I been airborne? Like I went to airborne school, but I ended up like, um, I ended up passing out or something uh, one day and cause I was, I was really sick and they wanted to hold me over. And she was just like, just try to just push through it. I was like, I'm telling you, I'm up there passing out and shit. And you just want me to try to jump out of a fucking, I was like, no, I don't want anybody who don't care about me. Like I was like, she had no concern. She just wanted me to be airborne because we were in an airborne unit and make her look good. Oh, so she was trying to bump up her, uh, her number of her people who were airborne qual. Mm-hmm. So outside of you being sick, were you ready to jump out of planes? It wasn't bad. Uh, the thing was, is I don't know when I was doing the, uh, it's like a tower you jump out of. It's like, it took my breath away. And I think that's the real reason I passed out. Is because every time I would jump, I would I couldn't breathe. <laughs> so, and I jumped three times in a row, and I couldn't breathe. So I was like, "Thank God I passed out," because no ma- who knows what would happen. <laughs> but I I would have been down for it because like later on in life I did skydiving, loved it. Okay, yeah, I mean I. I... I'm a civilian skydiver too. I haven't jumped in years, but it's, I never got the chance to go to airborne. I covered a lot of Marine Corps jumps and I will tell you there's a big difference between jumping out of a C-130 and jumping out of a, uh, a nice civilian skydive setup. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you know, I didn't like, I didn't personally want to do airborne because of all the injuries people were telling me they would get. They were like, man, fucked up knees and the parachutes it's a they were like it's a hard landing and then when i went skydiving they were like it's nothing like that it's not that soft landing they were like it's a hard landing i was like who wants to do that not only am i jumping out in the air then i'm coming down with a boom no thank you well you commend everybody else who's gone airborne though you know what we call them right so i worked with the marine con a marine recon unit who had free fallers like skydivers and then okay the static line guys which are the ones who graduate airborne school they were affectionately known as lawn darts See. because some people when they stuck their landings they stuck their landings Ugh. yeah no uh, tip fib fractures like, are common 
And if you hear all that stuff, why 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 would I want to go airborne? Like if I know that I'm gonna bang up my body and hurt myself, like no, I'm not doing that just so you can look good. Especially when your fat ass yourself isn't airborne. Like get out of here. So oh, so no. she wasn't even airborne. No, the, the crazy part. <laughs> well, you know you know how bad it is um, on your body. And like you, I respect anyone who's gotten their airborne wings. The VA, probably within like six to eight months, because I was helping people get their claims through after I got mm -hmm. retired, said basically, if you have an airborne rating, so in the Navy, if you're a par Navy, naval parachutist, airborne, anything like that, mm -hmm. we're not going to question you on knee and back injuries. We're just going to assume Can't. because you jumped, you, we broke you and we'll go ahead and, you know, rate you for you. that. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So that's crazy. Like they would know that like, oh, you jumped out of planes. Oh, you're fucked up. Like, come on. Well, if I remember right, I, the, the criteria is you do five jumps at airborne school a night or I think a night jump two regular one night one combat load and one night combat load. So it's not like, like you said, you skydive. It's not like we just go in there with our rig and step out the plane, smile at each Yee! other, yeah. have a nice ride down. <laughs> no, you're dragging, you're dragging your happy ass out on this a static line with your, with your battle rattle and your weapon. And I'm just like, how? No, I'm good. And I think on the last one, you're supposed to pack your own shoot or something. Probably. I mean, I packed all my own shoots. So, and I have a lot of friends who were riggers with the Marines who were doing static line and free fall. And they're like, there's no difference on that side. Uh, maybe oh, okay. a slight pack, a uh, slightly different way that you get it into the bag because it sits on your chest as opposed to your back. But they're like, no, that's not a big deal. Oh, okay. So speaking of which, um, were you going through airborne before or after you deployed the second time? Uh, deployed. Was this before? Was that brag? No, because I, again, after I deployed, I shortly left, I left shortly after. So before. So do you think they had you go on that deployment because you didn't get your airborne? Oh, I asked to go on the deployment. Oh, okay. Yeah, I asked because I hated it there. So, and I hated it so much I would rather deploy again. So Afghanistan is where you went back to? Mm-hmm. But this time I was with Special Forces, so it was a little different. So I was going to ask you, um, and I kind of made that assumption going to brag, talking about companies. How was it being on the support staff? Because that's what it sounds like you were doing. Mm -hmm. for a special operations attachment? Just like being with a regular unit. Uh, the only difference is, is when I deployed, I actually didn't do my job as much. I did a, I was like a, a humanitarian assistance. I was the humanitarian assistance manager for Afghanistan. Um, so like my job was a little different there. So on this deployment, were you going outside the wire then? 
I did. I actually traveled because I had to travel and do promotion boards for our soldiers. Oh. Mm -hmm. So I would set up promotion boards and make sure they were done properly and everything. Uh, and I, so I would, I would fob hop. So you, not to harp on your first sergeant, so you were actually doing promotion boards for people. So you were pretty intimate with the promotion system. Mm-hmm before you got back and had that incident where they said that you're, mm -hmm. that's just seems really frustrating. No, I, I was like, yeah, I gotta get me out of here because I'm about to cuss this lady out. And what I don't want to do is lose my rank that I already have that she already, like when she already downgraded me. So I was, I was mad. I was like, and I said to myself, had I stayed at Fort Hood with my sergeant major, he was a first sergeant at the time, but then he ended up getting on the list for sergeant major. He wanted me to still work for him. I said, I should have, I should have stayed because that would have excel, accelerated my career. And, you know, I was, like I said, I was a child. I was a very, I was a kid. I didn't know. I didn't know any better, but it's just like, man, those things you wish you would have known. Yeah. So now just out of curiosity, if you want to go into it, how was the first time you left the wire when you were in Afghanistan with, with, on your second deployment? You know, it's weird because I don't remember being scared anytime. I remember like, you know, this is my job. So I'm going to go out here and be safe. And, but it, it was just regular. It was like a regular flight, to be honest, or a regular drive at the time. So it was a flight and uh, um, convoys. It was just normal. I tried not to put any extra thought into it. I was just like, I'm going to make it there. And that's that. <laughs> so did you guys see, did you guys have any bad days on your, on your convoys? No, oh. I, not, not with, not when I went, no. Okay. That's good. That's, that's actually really good to know that you guys didn't have to go through any of the crazy shit. So when you get back um, and all of this stuff happens, how far away from end of service are you at this point in time? Um, two years. Cause I had, I had reenlisted on my first deployment cause I was halfway through. So I reenlisted. Um, so I had two more years left after this. And I was like, Oh, at that point I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to get out. I was like, this isn't, this is in the environment I want to be in. So do you think if they would have let you promote, even though this first sergeant was obviously not on your side, but they would have let you had staff sergeant, do you think that would have affected your ability to, or your desire to stay in? I would have been more apt to stay in and I would have just talked to my branch manager to get me to a new duty station like I did, but I would have probably stayed in longer because, uh, because I was, I was ranking properly and in line with what I was supposed to. Yeah. So, so now yeah, that, that brag really held me back. Like I'm really, I get mad about that when I think about it sometimes. Cause I'm like, man, that was the worst duty station ever. So I, I want to change it and we'll get away from the brag thing. Um, cool beans. What's up? So you are a pretty great graphic designer and 
I know from my time in, in the military, there's always a guy in the unit who's, you know, kind of doing the unit logo, playing around with art. There's always someone out there that you're like, hey, man, we got a T-shirt design we want for our platoon or for our company. And you would go to him. Was that you? Were you did you have those skills while you were in? No, because I uh, I didn't learn graphic design until my second tour. Uh, at the time, uh, a friend of mine, like I wanted to make a card for this girl I was dating at the time, and I didn't know how to do it. So literally, my friend taught, set me down and taught me Photoshop. Like we did that for like a week, and he showed me the ins and outs of it, and I was like, okay, cool, I can do this, and. Ever since then, I, I've been loving it. So, so that's how I got into it. That's that's kind of cool, though. So, d- did you play the the role of uh, like the company artist at all during your time in after you learned Photoshop? No, heck no. I didn't like that lady. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything for her. All right. So when you get out. <laughs> <laughs> We're we're gonna move away from her. So when you get out, what um where you're still at Bragg when you leave? When uh, when I got out, I was in Hawaii because after my second deployment, I went to Hawaii. Ooh, okay. Let, let's talk about that real quick. How was Hawaii for you? Oh my gosh, loved it. Beautiful. It was not beautiful initially when I came in. I was like, you know, you know, you see that vision of Hawaii on TV. It's always beautiful on TV. Then you get there. And I said, where the hell am I? I said, what is this shit? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, so Hawaii has its rough areas. (laughs) 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 The stuff they don't show on TV. Uh, But it was cool. I I really enjoyed Hawaii. I was with a good unit. it was cool. I ended up teaching really like that. So, so yeah. at, at the end of service, like you said, you were in Hawaii. Did you ever consider staying in Hawaii? Cause I know quite a few people who that was their final duty station and they're still there. Hell today. No, didn't consider staying in Hawaii because I, I like to travel. Like I like to road trip, but I like to drive. In Hawaii, you can't really drive anywhere. You got to fly to every place you want to go. And that was the major thing I did not like about Hawaii. I was like, shit, I have to fly to go anywhere. And I didn't like that. So I like driving. So I ended up living in California after Hawaii because I was like, this is like Hawaii, except I can spread my wings and I can go do stuff and I don't have to fly everywhere. I can actually drive the majority of the places. So, which part of California were you in? Uh, Los Angeles. So you also probably quickly learned that 15 miles can take you three and a half hours to drive. Oh my gosh, ridiculous! I was like, when I pull out my GPS and it was like seven miles, <laughs> 45 minutes. I said, what? I said, what is going on here? So I learned to, you know, bike and take the train. 
Oh, wow. You're one of the few people I know that's actually, because I, I grew up just south of L.A. You're one of the few people I know who, A, admits to taking the train, but B, who actually takes the train in L.A. Mm -hmm. I've been on it a few times, and I think one time it was mid-afternoon, and I was coming out of the big train station in downtown. It was being like a homeless guy on the train. That shit was always crowded when I went. Well, maybe like it was always. It was you. You brought out the best of people. Like it was always like it was always a bunch of people riding the train, like the metro rail. Uh, so I was just it was cool, but I, I like biking more so. So I would bike a lot too. L.A. is a good place to bike. Um, mm -hmm. That that that's absolutely true. So what did you do in L.A.? Funny, when I, like, even though I'm a graphic designer now, when I initially got out, uh, I went to be a massage therapist. Really? And I was a massage therapist. I went to massage therapy school. So did you use your GI Bill for that? Mm-hmm. I used my GI Bill for that and my graphic design, uh, my, my uh, bachelor's. How important do you think it is uh, as you're getting out? Because I don't know what your... Um end of service experience was like transitioning from military to civilian. Mm -hmm. But they don't tell you much. How important do you think it is that we should probably do something about that as either as vets or the military needs to change that system? I think like they, they should actually prepare people for getting out of the military, like have somebody who to go over insurance with you. Cause you, you know, you don't worry about insurance in the military. That's something you worry about as a civilian and just like navigating those things as a civilian, everything that you took care of me for, like that I have to take care of myself now, just little things like that. A resume, that would have been helpful to know how to write. Like just things like that would have been helpful to know. Like other avenues, really, I just had to figure it all out on my own. So did you go through a TAPS class then or no? The TAPS class I went to, it wasn't didn't really teach you how to build resumes or anything. They showed you like that you can go into the FBI or something like that. But I was just like, this it wasn't really helpful to me. Yeah, I mean that's even now I have friends who still who are retiring and getting out, and they're saying the same thing. So you go you become a massage therapist. Um, there at that ha at that time with Jose's house, I would have really liked to know that you were a massage therapist. I could have used one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was pretty good too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, how long did you stay in LA before you decided to go somewhere else? I was in LA for I think I think three years. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I really liked L.A. The only thing I did not like about L.A. is the parking. You mean the like parking, the parking parking? Like the parking, yeah. Reading five signs to park, remembering what day it is for street cleaning. Because I lived in downtown. So it was just like, shit. I got towed so many times because I forgot that I parked at a meter the night before because that was the only parking spot. And I have to get up and move my car in the morning. It was crazy. Like the parking was ridiculous, truly. Yeah. I had a friend that lived 
in the garment district. I think it was off 6th Street, somewhere just east of uh, the main strip that you get off on to go into downtown. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had to park 10 blocks away just to find a parking spot when I go see him. Crazy. Like, I, I could never... Like, when I would see a close uh, parking spot at my hotel, I had my wife at the time, I'd be like, stay here. Let me run and go find where the, the car is so I can park right here. <laughs> the only shitty part about that is if it's a Wednesday, though, you have to remember to move your car because they do street cleaning. So it was it was a pain in the butt, really. That was one of the things that made me move. I was going to ask, so what was the final catalyst that got you to say it? I think I got towed. I got towed again. And I was just like, you know, I'm already living in a shoebox for like $1,800. And I'm constantly getting towed, which is like another $300. I was like, I don't have time for this. I was like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back home. So was Houston the the place that you wanted to go back to? Uh, I came to Katy, oh, which is basically Houston outskirts. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no offense to people who live in Katy, but you guys are where the bad traffic for Houston starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you got a Bucky's. <laughs> Love Bucky's. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, I was out there for a Wounded Warrior sailing thing in May. And, mm -hmm. of course, you have to stop at Bucky's on the way in and on the way out. Yeah. The cleanest restrooms. Not just the cleanest. does most insane they, gas pumps too yeah so yeah what what finally got you into what you're doing now into graphic design as something that you decided that you wanted to pursue well i i started doing graphic design while i was in california um i wanted to be able to do all my own stuff do my own designs and things like that because i felt like people were getting ripped off with shitty work but high prices but you're also remember I live in LA, so you needed high prices in order to live. Uh, so I really wanted to change that. And I really wanted to change that for veterans. I wanted veterans to have really great designs, but at affordable price. And so that was, that was my mission. And I think, I think I've achieved that. So I'm excited about that. So what do you say to the guys who are still in, who have, cause I've had this conversation with another guest a while back. People who are artistic sometimes suppress that side of them while they're in the military because it's not necessarily macho, especially the infantry guys. Crazy. So fall into it. Yeah. Like really just like, cause even when I, when I started designing, I would do, a, I did a lot of free work because I was learning and at, at the time, time I was self-teaching myself so I just started working with people I would do free designs I wasn't bad if your design was ugly and it was free <laughs> I'm learning you get what you pay for and you didn't pay anything for it <laughs> so, <laughs> so but as I got better once I started getting better that's when I started charging I was like okay now this is some good work this is work that should be paid for and that's it I just started I would tell anybody if you're in now and you have a creative juice just start working honing in on that craft work on it offer some free work here and there and just to just build so but do it what's your take on um 
me being in the film world, I see this a lot, um, not just in my world, but in the graphic, in, for like the graphic designers, uh, photographers especially, established companies who are making money saying, we really want to use your work, but we don't want to pay you for it, but you're going to get exposure for it. You know what? Fuck exposure is what I've learned because guess what? I've done a lot of deals like that. I've done free work for people and they're like, oh, you're going to get this great exposure, this, that. And, and I was like, what exposure did I get? You got some free work. You didn't really shout me out that much. And then it was, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in working for free for exposure because I feel like if you're a big corporation, you can pay me and don't give me exposure because I, I have the rights to those designs. I'll just post it on my portfolio to say I did it. And boom, that's my exposure to say, oh, well, you did that such and such logo. Perfect. I don't like, I, I've gotten burned so many times that way. I just don't do it. Like, and if I do free work, it's not, it's not for anybody who has a lot of money. So in the veteran community, um, how have you been marketing yourself? Um, like with the vet, like I do, a, I join a lot of groups. So what I try to do is I try to post weekly at least. Um, just showing some of my work, asking questions and being like, oh, by the way, I can do this too. So um, I just, I just post that. And then a, a lot of word of mouth and like I have done partnerships. So like I've done a partnership with like Richard Kaufman. Um, I work with Chris with vetted VA. Uh, so like I try to develop partnerships. So where I'm working with people who will, you know, refer people to me. So in your, um, in your skill set as a graphic designer, obviously you said you uh, did Photoshop. Are you doing one medium Photoshop or illustrator? Are you doing web stuff? How did you learn all of the stuff outside of Photoshop? Um, Self-taught like YouTube. YouTube is your friend. Cause yeah, I do have a degree in graphic design. Like I have a bachelor's degree in graphic design, but I learned more stuff just having clients like like if my client asked me to do something that was challenging that I didn't know how to do, I had to research how to do it. So like I learned a lot just by having clients to teach me, look, tell me what I need to teach myself how to do. Cause even with school, you get some stuff, but it's, it's not that challenging really. Uh, but when you have clients who want these, that have these wild ideas, it's some other, you know, it's a learning curve. So I just, put myself out there to try to get more clients to learn, to teach myself. So now you personally, um, do you do what I would call more fine art or personal art for yourself? Or do you usually stick your art to your work? No, I only like I've done one personal art project ever. <laughs> uh, but usually I'm I'm pretty busy. Like if I'm not designing, I'm spending time with my family. Like I don't, I don't take on passion projects for myself because my passion is my family. So I, I design a lot. I hang out with my family a lot, uh, but there's no passion projects that I have that I just like, Oh, I want to design that. So 
I'm going to get into the past year um, and just get your vibe on it. So around February, March of last year, the world kind of lost its shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you guys handle COVID with uh, all the restrictions? Being an entrepreneur, did it affect you much? You know what? In the graphic design arena, not as much because you got to think, I work from home. So, <laughs> like, when things were, like, when people were like, oh, we have to be at home now and this, that, and the third, like, it didn't really affect me in that aspect because I was already used to that. Like, I was used to being home all the time because <laughs> that's that's where I worked from. So I was just like, oh, people are just, that's just new. But uh, business was slow for, like, a little bit, but then it it's picked back up, let me tell you. So... Are you, are you seeing a lot of new designs or people redoing old logos? I'm actually seeing a lot of new designs. Uh, I've only had a couple people rebrand, but I'm getting I'm getting tons of like new designs, new logos, new websites and things like that. New entrepreneurs coming back into Yeah. Getting back into it, having a great idea. So yeah. It's like it's like COVID was a Kickstarter for people who had an idea, but it finally gave them the courage to to go out and get that idea, like bring that vision to life. And so you're seeing a lot of new businesses pop up. And I'm like, I love it. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> That's a good thing. I mean, as long as it keeps you busy, hey, why not, right? <laughs> it's not bad for the environment. So <laughs> true. So this may be a touchy subject and sometimes I feel weird breaching it with your time in the army. Did you see anything like prejudice or anything towards yourself or to any other soldiers? Oh my gosh. And Fort Bragg, like Fort Bragg had like a good old boy system. Like if you weren't in the circle, you, you weren't in. So like, and Fort Bragg brought that to light, like, man, there really are, there really is still division. Even if, even being in the military, there's still, there's still people who aren't really for equality or equal rights or in things like that. So that was, that was eye opener. You were just like, okay. So it's weird not to be liked because you're one person or another person. So I was just like, oh, okay, if this is what the army is, you know, I don't want it. You said you saw it most at, or not, or it became obvious to you at Fort Bragg. Did you, looking back, do you think it was elsewhere as obvious that you just didn't know to see or that you didn't see it? No, didn't see it like that. Like when I was in Korea, great time. People actually were helping each other. It was just like, I don't know what it was about Fort Bragg, but it's just like you needed to know somebody to get somewhere. And if you didn't know the right person, then later for you, you're not going to get there. So was it more of a, you had to be on the inside type thing, or do you think there was possibly like a racial undertone? In some places you needed to be white. So (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 you know, I'm curious about that stuff. Yeah, in some aspects, you needed to be white. Like, the good old boy club is like a bunch of old white sergeant majors that have a lot of power, that have pool. And if you know them and if you're in their club, guess what? You can reach out. But if you're not, guess what? You can't reach out. 
Do you see it as much now that you're out on the entrepreneur side? No. And I guess it's the people I surround myself with. Uh, the reason why I don't see it, but uh, in general, no. Not nearly like I used to see it. It's like the world's gotten a little bit better, more tolerant, more accepting. So what do you, when we're done with this, what do you want people to take away about Kennedy? I'm pretty fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) If you weren't, you wouldn't be on the show. (laughs) Not really that. I'm just cool. I'm just down to earth, you know. I'm human just like anybody else. I, I have life. Life life has happened. And I'm here to help. Most of all, you know. I believe in giving service. So. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. I don't want to take up too much of it. So on that note, if people are looking for a new cool guy friend, or if they're looking for work uh, to be done, whether it's graphic design, is there any other stuff you do outside of when when I hear graphic design, I think of Photoshop, Illustrator, page layout guy. Do you do stuff other than just graphic design? Uh, I do web uh, web designs, and I have a printing company. Okay, so if there's people looking for graphic design, uh, website design, do you do SEO stuff? The search. Uh, no, I, I partner with somebody with SEO. So if they're looking for the, all of those type of services, where do they find Kennedy? Uh, designs with the S, dot com. Or you can just call me, text me, 832-451. Be careful about giving your number out on the internet. Oh. No, I mean, if you want to, if you want to. I mean, because my number is on, my personal number is on my business page. Oh, okay. Yeah, 8682. So Perfect. feel free. Call, text, text preferably though. You don't want 3 a.m. phone calls with weird people drunk saying, hey, I need a logo for my. I'd be like, you know, call me later in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, thank you. I know we've been trying to do this for a while and I got this new setup, which. So people know. You can't see what I'm seeing, how this is being put up on the screen. Um, okay. Take a look at, at any of the other last two podcasts we've done. We've really changed the system here, and you're actually kind of the test guy for a new piece of the system that we just set up, and that's why we were having a little bit of issues earlier before we started this. But also, okay. uh, as we were converting, it's why we had to reschedule this a couple times, and I'm really glad you came on, man. Oh, I'm awesome. I'm fine. I'm glad we got to connect. Yes. Pretty cool podcast. Like, love it. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, if you know anyone who's interested and anyone watching this, if you're interested, hit me up and we will come on and do a podcast. Thank you so much, Candy, for coming out. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com, on Instagram, The Modern Ronin on Twitter at TommyChase01. And you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it'd be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.